looking to learn more on how to build wealth through real estate? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Make Money Make Sense podcast with Dante Belmonte. Each episode, we have the privilege to bring you a professional in the real estate world. One that will help you become a top investor, whether that's a passive role or managing the day-to-day. Let's jump right in. Welcome back to another episode of Make Money Make Sense. I'm your host, Dante Belmonte. And this week, we have a good buddy of mine actually coming on the show. So this is actually one of my clients on the real estate brokerage side of things. So I, for those of you that don't know, I do sell real estate in upstate New York versus the real estate that we buy in the southeastern region of the United States. So this is my buddy, JP. You know, he contacted me a while back looking to buy some property in the area. I've helped him out. We get into the story here. He's a great guy, and he's just Honestly, it's a success story of how an individual can go from owning no real estate to an awesome cash flowing portfolio at the end of the day. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode. Take a listen. There's a few uh, key takeaways to take in this episode. With that said, let's welcome JP into the show. JP, how are we doing today? I am excellent. How are you doing today, Dante? Doing great, doing great. Glad to have you here. So like I was telling everyone in the intro, JP, you are one of my clients that buy some property that I broker. And uh, yeah, you've had a lot of success. You're a great guy. We've had a lot of fun together. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to bring you on the show just to kind of show that, you know, the average Joe, so someone that's working a job can invest in real estate, make good returns, make good income, and just talk about that journey. So why don't you start off, JP, by telling us first, you know, a little bit about yourself, about your family, and then what you do for work and where you're located. Sure thing. So, hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Jean-Pierre Pisserani. Um, I was born in Syracuse, New York. Uh, I grew up in the Middle East, uh, then came back uh, to Syracuse for university. I did go to SU, so, you know, go orange. Uh, all about that life. <laughs> um, right now, I'm married. I have two daughters, and uh, one is... Um, three months old. Yeah. Her three month birthday was just yesterday, actually. Um, and the other one uh, is about a year and a half old right now. So two under two, that COVID life. So (laughs) there you go. And then, uh, where are you located now and what are you doing for work? So currently I am living in the Washington DC Metro area. Uh, and I am an IT project manager at Capital One. Okay. Awesome. I like that. So, Talk to us a little bit about where you got the idea of investing in real estate. Where did that come from? And then we'll talk about how you and I met and how you found this market. Sure. So uh, the idea of investing in real estate has really been something that's been on my mind since a young age. Um, you know, I've always found it to be something that's more tangible. Like, I guess at the age where you start realizing like what money is and what investing is and okay, what do I want to do with my life in the future? How do I make money? Um, once those concepts start, like, you know, once, once I was at that age where those concepts started making sense to me, um, mm-hmm. I always was attracted to real estate um, because it seemed something that didn't really f- like fluctuate so much like the stock market would, for example, or like cryptocurrencies would, for example. Um, it seems a little bit something a little bit more stable. And it really kind of like was on the back burner until about a year, like about a year and a half ago when I really kind of like went full force with it. And, you know, when uh, you and I, when you and I met, and I, I think uh, one of the things that promoted me to get back really, like really into it is uh, like my father-in-law, he has some real estate 
property. My father's always been, um, he's always owned land uh, as a, you know, someone from Middle Eastern descent, um, you know, you know, their land is always a big thing for, you know, Middle Easterners. Like my father's always owned land in the, in Jordan. Uh, that's where I grew up. Um, so although it wasn't kind of like rental properties, like we're going to talk about today, but, um, but it's still real estate. It's a type of real estate. It's a form of real estate. Right. So, so that's okay. kind of why I was attracted to it. Awesome. And then I know you lived in Syracuse for a little bit, but like what made you think to go back to Syracuse to start looking to invest in real estate? So the criteria that I had before I chose, like when I chose Syracuse, I set myself some criteria of what it is that I'm looking for um, as far as my real estate investment. Uh, because down here in like the DC area, for example, it's a high entry point for you to, for you to purchase a property. So um, over here, it's really more, you're looking at the appreciation at the appreciation game. Um, you know, you're going to buy a townhouse for like half a million dollars and you're going to rent it out for right under what you're paying on a mortgage. Um, so you're not really making cash flow, right? But you turn around and you sell it in a couple of years, you might make like 20, $30,000 because of, you know, really good appreciation in this area. Maybe a little bit more than that, depending, especially like with, you know, like how the market is today. So, um, so I actually took a step back and like, okay, what did, what kind of, what am I looking for in my real estate investment? Like I mentioned, my father had lands. You don't really get much out of that. That's really, a, that's a very long-term play. That's like a 10, 15 year play. So you're not really going to see anything out of that for 10, 15 years. Um, I wanted cash flow. My, my thing was I wanted cash flow. So I started doing research um, about where can I find properties that have a reasonable entry point where I don't need a ton of money to get into it. And the rents are good. And I wanted to focus um, on kind of like more blue collar type of tenants and those kinds of areas, people that are trying to like transition from lower end of the spectrum to, you know, middle and middle and upper, those kind of like the tenants that I was looking for. And I actually went all the way to Cleveland, Ohio, believe it or not. Um, And I was actually specifically on a real estate trip. I went there for my birthday. And then I, you know, I'm the type of person where anywhere I go, one of the first things I do is I pull up my phone and, and pull up one of those real estate apps and look at, you know, what's going on in the area. What are things selling for in this area? Uh, and then I, you know, do, okay, what are things renting for in this area? Just so you can kind of get the idea of, you know, your dollar, um, what your dollar can get you in rent. So um, I always, Syracuse was always an option from day one, but I kind of left it to the very end because I didn't want to go back to where my family was kind of thing. But ultimately after going around, um, you know, around to like three or four different cities, Cleveland being one of them, um, another city in Ohio, uh, Columbus, Ohio as well. I chose to go back to Syracuse um, because it was within a five hour drive from where I'm sitting right now. Um, I do like a certain level of control. So I chose, so it had to be within a certain driving distance and I have family there. So it's, um, you know, it's, it's easy for, if there is an emergency, I can call someone up and someone can go and, go and uh, um, you know, look into whatever the problem is. But the most important thing is I know the city, like I know the area. Um, I know which parts of the city to look into as far as where I'm gonna find the tenants that I'm looking for, which parts of the city to avoid, um, which parts are like, yeah, you're going to like the price points are high and the rents are kind of low, um, but the tenants are good quality, but that's not really what I'm looking for. So I, I knew the geography of the area. I knew where people were. Um, and that's like that. That's the main reason why. So right. you can right. have that anywhere you go. You just have to do that legwork of figuring out the, the area, because one thing I found when I went outside of Syracuse is I got the out of towner treatment. So like like, I don't know anything about Cleveland. I don't know which parts are good, which parts are bad, you know, what, which are 
B's and C's and A neighborhoods and those kinds of things. I had no idea of any of that. So I got the out of town treatment where, you know, they're kind of just like, you know, just taking me for a ride basically. So if you do the legwork on the city where you want to invest and figure out the strategy that you're looking for, if it's cash flow or appreciation, that will drive you towards where you're going to end up. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to touch on that real quick for a second. You, you made a good point. Like you're from the DC area. It's very expensive. You buy something it's the appreciation play. You're either losing money each month, breaking even and even, or barely making any cash flow. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just the truth because that's really what you're doing there. And you're looking for a market you can cash flow in. And I think the other biggest portion is appreciation is really just the cherry on top is the way Absolutely. I look at it. If you're going to appreciate, that is great, but I'm looking at it as a strictly cash flow play. I think that's the most important part of all of this because the cash flow you're getting monthly and you're able to reinvest it or save it up and buy a new, new property or whatever that is. The appreciation, you don't get it until you sell the property. And that's more of a long play. That's also not guaranteed. Like right now, I, you know, places like New York City, California, yeah, they're bouncing back, but that appreciation play isn't playing out as well as they thought it would. You know, they're probably breaking even or just making a, a little bit. And, you know, obviously it's not the case with every building, but I cannot stress enough to people that you shouldn't make an investment strictly on appreciation. You know, when you look at the larger multifamily stuff, you're predicting a what's called an exit cap rate on how to figure out what the sale price is going to be when you go to exit in three, four, five years. But that's an educated guess. You're not hoping for appreciation. You're controlling that appreciation by bringing the property value up, by bringing the net operating income in, uh, bringing it up, or AKA bringing up the uh, income is really what mm-hmm. it is. And also with that you know, exit cap rate or cap rate reversion, you're not just winging it. It's also going up, which is causing the property value to go down. So even though like I may purchase at a five cap, I'm going to project I'm going to sell at a six cap. And therefore it'll still be worth more because I'm bringing up the income. But like, yeah. let's say the market stays the same and I'm selling at a five cap and I bought it at a five cap, that's going to be even way better. So again, not looking for that appreciation play when you're buying multifamily or even small multifamily, it's not even really appreciation. It's really what you're producing for income. And I think that's huge that you, you pick cash flow. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we talked about what you're looking for, what you're looking for in markets. You found that now let's kind of talk about like how you and I got linked up and where we went from there. Absolutely. So uh, it's funny. So I think the first time you and I connected, uh, you had a property in Mattydale that you had listed. And um, I reached out to you and that was actually the time you were getting married. married. I didn't even get to meet you that time. Um, So that that was kind of funny. So uh, we met about that time. That's like really when I said, okay, I'm doing it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm going to pull the trigger. I'm done with analysis paralysis. Um, I'm going to go and I'm going to actually pull the trigger to do something. So I go up to Syracuse. Um, you know, unfortunately that trip didn't work out for me. I didn't, I wasn't able to find anything. Um, and then two months later I texted you at, it was like 1030 at night. I was like, Hey, are you, you know, random question. I didn't really expect you to get back to me. Um, but we ended up getting on the phone at 1030 at night till 1130, um, with you just answering all my questions, all my, you know, my junior real estate investor questions and really helping me, helping me see, see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, then we made a deal shortly thereafter. So, you know, I found you basically, cause I didn't, um, I knew a couple people that were in the area, kind of worked with them, you know, chemistry really wasn't there. Great people, you know, don't get me wrong, but you know, when you find a real estate agent, it's, it's a partnership, right? It's not just, 
it's not just a transaction. Like, I mean, you and I, we talk about various things, um, not just real estate. And the way we talk about real estate, it's not really like, it's not like going and talking to like a bank teller, or like a doctor or something like that. There, there's like right. chemistry, there's give and take. Like you try to understand where, where I'm looking at things, where my head's at, why I'm doing certain things. I try to understand why you're telling me certain things. So it's definitely key to find someone uh, in your market that's very, that you have good chemistry with, because if you don't, it's not going to be enjoyable. Like part, like half the fun actually when I go come to Syracuse is getting to see you and going, you know, walking your property together and like right. making comments about the property and analyzing it. And I get to learn from you. Maybe you get to learn from me something if I see something and I say it to you. So um, definitely a key thing is to have a good real estate agent who knows the area, who knows the market, who can, um, guide you in the right direction. So, yeah. And I, I think my personal plug here, I'll throw that in. It's like <laughs> when I get a lot of calls from out-of-state investors all the time, I do a lot of multifamily business in my market. I've got a real strong buyer list and, you know, I have clients from all the way from Australia that buy here in little Syracuse, New York that I work with. And when I tell people, you know, when I first get on that intro call and we're talking, I'm trying to figure out what their goals are, what their needs, how I can help them. And I just explain to them, I say, listen, like working with me is like working with, you know, Microsoft suite you get Excel, you get PowerPoint, you get Word. Like that's the same thing with me. You get a real estate agent, you get an insurance agent, you get a property manager, a property home inspector. You know, you can get some contractors, you get an attorney, you get some lenders, like all those things, they all, you know, work together. And I have that team built that understands what investors goals are mm -hmm. and how to get it to the finish line. And, you know, with you and I, it was kind of like a mix. You use like an attorney and inspector, but then you had your own lender on the first one and yep. property manager that was already really in place. Um, mm -hmm. But then on the, you know, the next one, you know, we used aspects of those teams, but to make it work for you. So, Absolutely. and I, I think that's very important too. you know, finding the right agent, because what a lot of people do today is they'll just call an agent. They'll go to realtor.com, they'll go to Zillow and they'll just say, Hey, I'm looking for an agent to do some investing. Any agent usually that's going to get a lead is like, yeah, I could do that. I can help you out but they don't know the market. They don't understand investing. They might be really good at single families and doing those high-end homes when they walk into an investment property or like grossed out or something and don't see the potential. <laughs> you know, exactly. I, I, I hear it all the time and I think that's huge. So I, I think, you know, like I was saying, find a real estate agent that understands what your goals are. They have experience in that. And maybe even they do it themselves. You know, I've got the podcast here. I've got some networks. I got meetups. I do it myself. I have you know, 50% of my business, probably more than that is just truly investors that I work with. And like I said, you know, the big one is I invest myself. Yep. So. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that's one of the re another reason why I was attracted, attracted to working with you is because you're, yeah, careful what you say there. not attracted to me, attracted yeah, to working yeah, with yeah, me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's because you're doing what I'm doing. So you're, you really truly understand what it is that I'm trying to achieve and um, not trying to plug more than you already did, but I can definitely attest to the you know, that ecosystem that you built around yourself to help investors like me who are from out of state or even, you know, within the state, because I know people in Syracuse as well, but still like your ecosystem is built in such a way that it's, you're almost like a one-stop shop. Um, realistically, you know, and I'm hoping to get to a point with you where I don't even need to come to Syracuse anymore to look at a property because, you know, that's part of the, my initial criteria. I want to be within a driving distance but we'll work with each other to a point where you'll understand exactly what I'm looking for. And you'll tell me, Hey JP, this is a good one. I'll be like, let's do it. And I don't even need to like think twice about that. And it is thanks to that ecosystem that you built around yourself. Definitely. I can definitely attest to that. Right. And I, I think like another thing for 
an out-of-state investor like yourself, you know, the, the kind of pattern I saw with you, it's like, you know, I'd send you a property, you'd find a property, you'd analyze it, make sure the numbers make sense. And then you'd execute by doing an inspection. So instead of coming to visit it, because it's tough to take drives back and forth, that initial visit would be once the offer is accepted, you have it under contract and we're doing the inspection, we kind of move forward. So I think it's a pretty wise game plan there or else you'd be going back and forth, back and forth. And, you know, you're good at like kind of making the trips worth it. Like you're up here to close on a deal. We also walk two deals together the same day, like to make sure that we can make the most of your trip. Um, So let's talk about those first two deals. You know, I'll kind of start and then I'll let you take just to kind of set the stage. So, you know, off market, on market, on market, something on the MLS, you'll see on Zillow, everyone has, has access to that off market, you know, direct to seller or like a broker slash agent myself that has some deals and will forward it over to you. So, you know, after multiple phone calls, you and I went through and you're telling me what you're looking for, you know, I had two great deals. I had, you know, a gentleman who was older. He, you know, had the properties for 15, 20 years. He was getting out of the game. I built a relationship with him and I was selling off his portfolio. And like two of these properties, you know, we talked about price, the gentleman and I, you know, JP, you and I, we talked about the properties a little bit. And before I even put them on the market, you know, I am going to bring to someone that I have confidence in. I built that relationship with and has A, either done business with me before and I know can close or B, is new. I'm building a relationship with them, but everything I'm hearing, I like, and I'm confident that they will close. And that was you, you know, we haven't done any deals yet. And I brought you these two, you know, duplexes. Um, Can I disclose uh, a price on those? Is that okay? Absolutely. Okay. So yeah, so we're able to put each of those duplexes under contract for you at 105,000 each, I believe it was. Those things were easily worth 115, 120, maybe even 125 when you bought them. So instantly, because they weren't on market, they didn't get bid up, you were able to secure that, you know, the, the great, that great price and have about 15,000 of equity in each property right off the bat. So 30,000 in equity, yep, you know, yep. and the seller, he wanted a certain amount. He was under a hundred thousand. He want, I just told him, I said, listen, I think you can get more you know, and I was, I was correct. I know he could get more now. Now that I look back at the deals, he probably could have even got more, but what it came down to was he was happy. He was getting more than he wanted. You were happy. You were getting, you know, a great deal under market value off market. And I was happy because I was getting commission from everyone on it. You know, it was a win, win, win. No one was upset in that. Everyone was happy. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, do you want to talk about a little bit more about those deals? Kind of like the meat and the potatoes of what went on with them and what made them work for you? Sure. So, you know, when I first started looking at real estate in Syracuse, I definitely built myself like a risk profile of what type of um, property I would, I would get into. Um, some people have different different flavors, but me being you know an out of towner, um, I definitely had certain criteria that I wanted the properties to be at as far as condition um, and maintenance schedule and and these kinds of things where I don't want to have headaches. I don't want to get calls in the middle of the night while I'm you know I'm down in DC about something happening in my property from a property management company. So I explained that to Dante, and he definitely found these properties were in excellent condition. I went up there to look at them. He told me, "Hey JP, these were." Um, you know, these are off-market opportunities. I'm about to put them on the market. Want to give you first first dibs at them. Um, the sellers, you know, motivated to sell. I went up there. 
I looked at the properties and I think it was like, we, we did it. I scheduled inspection. That was one thing I did. I did a scheduled inspection. Yep. Uh, and we went, we did the inspection, did the walkthrough and those properties are gems. I mean, they're, you know, they were, the tenants are great, always paying on time. Condition was great. No real issues there. I mean, you know, definitely off market deals. You're going to be able to find something that's below market value and you're going to get it with equity already built into it. Um, the biggest thing that I would say the biggest mistake that I did back then is I used tried to come in with my own financing uh, with a you know with another mortgage company and I didn't take Dante's advice about using <laughs> you know going into a uh, you know if, using one of his lenders or his, you know lenders that he's worked with before and some knowledge that actually that I just learned recently in my refinancing process so I ended up doing a conventional um, conventional mortgage thirty year conventional mortgage on these. Um, these two duplexes, and they appear on my personal credit report. So when I'm going to buy my my house, you know, hopefully in the next three four months, that's going to show up on my credit report as part of, part of my part of my debt to income ratio. However, on a commercial loan under an LLC, they do not show on your personal credit report. So this is definitely something everybody listening should should take into consideration. You might be paying a little bit extra a month, which is probably not going to be anything big in the grand scheme of things, right? Um, depending on the on the financial pa- uh, product they end up going with, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not gonna be that much higher on the monthly basis, but your debt to income ratio on a personal level is gonna stay low. So keep that one in mind. I should have listened and went that, that route from-, from No, the I mean, I, I think that's huge. You learned, you know, it still makes uh, for a good investment for you though, for sure. Oh, yeah. But, you know, if you can make it work in a residential mortgage, but not a commercial mortgage, you probably shouldn't be doing the deal because they're so closely correlated as far as costs go, you know, residentials, 30 year amortization commercials, either 20 or 25. I mean, if you can't get it to work at 2025, you probably shouldn't be doing it at 30. Your numbers are off. Yeah. Your numbers are off. That's what it comes down to. But I mean, yeah, that's huge. I mean, it comes up on your, your personal credit. You also have some form of liability because it's in your name as well, but that's not an issue because you can refinance or switch title into your LLC at some point, you know, I always tell people on the first few, it's fine if it's your personal name because you don't have a lot of exposure there. But if you start stacking up in your personal name, you're going to have a lot of exposure there. And, right. uh, you know, again, two duplexes, you came in the market, not a lot of money out of pocket, you know, 20, 25% mm-hmm. down on each. So you, you use leverage. You got four units under your belt that are cash flowing. I mean, mm-hmm. are you, do you want to talk about returns a little bit at all? Or if you don't want to, that's fine. Absolutely. So if we look at just those two, I actually have it up right now. There you go. <laughs> so those two properties, um, which combined asking price was 210,000 um, on paper, my returns are, is at 27.6%. There you go. So call it 28%. <laughs> yeah, so it's above 20%. And that's another, you know, difference between tra- finding a on market versus off market deal, like on the MLS versus an off market deal you're, you're going to be able to find these kinds of numbers. If you really try hard and you, you, I'm not going to say wait for the right deal, but you have to find the deal that makes sense to you where you run it, you do your due diligence and you, you see that it makes sense. So with, you know, with leverage, you're going to end up making, you know, this is another thing that I learned because initially, like, if you recall, I was saying, Hey, I want to come, I want to be a cash buyer and, you know, do that, that kind of thing. But you know, I quickly realized in doing my analysis that 
with leverage, your returns are higher because your money can work more for you. Right. So instead of putting $210,000 out of pocket, um, which you know, would have really brought down my ROI. I only was $62,000 out of pocket for these two properties and I'm making 27%. And that's like, you know, assuming I, all the, you know, there's repairs every month, um, assuming that, you know, there's, there's problems, which there aren't any, right? So worst case scenario, I'm at 27% a month with yeah. these, these yeah. two properties. I mean, that's phenomenal. Um, I mean, talk about, you know, growing your wealth. That's yeah. basically in, in less than four years, you're going to see a hundred percent of your capital back. You're going to see a hundred percent return on your capital. And, you know, if maybe you do some, you, you raise the rents, that number is going to increase as well. If you have property management, right. raise the rents accordingly. Um, I mean, talk about some returns. We, the S&P 500 gives off six to eight, call it 7% annually. You're over here pulling 20% higher than that. Not just 20%, 20% higher. 20% I mean, yeah. those are great returns. So all that cash you're getting back, you can go and reinvest it. So each year, if you save up all that cash flow, you can go and reinvest it and get some more. So again, great deals. Um, let's let's move on to the other two because it, it's kind of like you bought two at a time was really how you did it. No rhyme or reason. You can do one at a time, but it just happened to work out that I had two deals. They worked, and uh, so yeah. So you know, a few months down, you get these deals under your belt. They're doing really well. Um, you you kind of came to me and you said, "Hey, I'm ready to do some more." You, you had it down, and I, I believe you sent me one. And you, it was a single family. You sent me one, correct? Yep. I I sent you one and said possibly this one, like either or, right? Right. Right. So. Uh, you know, and just, there's just also a warning as I, as we get into the story here, this is an addiction. <laughs> it becomes an addiction. Yeah, yeah. You kind of like get the itch. Like I've texted you a few times. Hey, I'm, I'm getting the itch. I'm looking at properties, yeah. you know, I need to buy <laughs> something. So it, it definitely does get under your skin. And once you, once you move from the analysis phase to the actual execution phase, uh, I mean, that's really when the ride starts and, and it, it's, it's, it's great. It's great. So, it, it so, yeah, so I, I first sent you one single family. I, I sent you two options. Like, Hey, you know, Hey, I'm looking at these two single family homes. Um, and you came back and you told me that they're both from the same, the same listing agent. Right. Um, same seller too. Same seller. Yeah. Same seller yep. and same listing agent. So you said, Hey, we could, you know, potentially get an, get a deal on both of them. So um, I get like, I, you know, I'm, I, I'll disclose all my numbers. I don't, I don't really care because I think it's, it's a great, you know, well, let, let's talk about the, the deals first themselves. So I had a relationship with the selling agent, the listing agent, you know, he, we've done numerous business together. So I just called him up and I was like, Hey, I've got a client that's interested. I see you have both of these with the same seller. How about we package them together as cash and let's get a, you know, a really good deal. I'm trying to remember, maybe I can look it up here, what they were purchased at. 60,000 each. Well, what they were listed at oh, was, listed at. Yeah. they were, I won't give out the address. I don't want to do that, but I still want to see what they're listed at. Okay. Yeah. So one was listed at 67.5. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you got it for 60. Mm -hmm. And the other one, don't tell me the street name, just the number. It was 409. <laughs> 419. 419. That was close. Uh, and the other one was listed at, are you sure it's 419? Yeah, it was like 70 something. Oh, yeah, yeah, 419. It was like 74, I believe.
Yeah, so 67 and 72.5. So as a total, 72.5 plus 67. So that would have been a total of 140,000 if you rounded up. Yep. And you were able to get it for 120. So, okay. you, you know, do the math there. 140 minus 120, that's $20,000 under value. You were able to get them for because, you know, I had that relationship with that listing agent. I said, I got a really good buyer. You know, he can close, he can make this happen. I've done lots of business with him before. Okay. That's check, you know, checkbox one. Number two, he's paying his cash. Cash is king. Cash is also trash. And I'll get into that in a second. Cash is king though. As far as, you know, there's no appraisal. There's, it's a shorter timeline. You can just come right in. So that was the other one. And then number three was you were bundling together. So you were able to take both assets off this gentleman's hands and, and make it happen. And that's really what it came down to. And both of them were vacant. So they weren't producing income at the time, but I kind of did a market report and said, and also because I knew the market and I said, Hey JP, you know, these are, these are assets that are in pretty good shape. You're not really putting any money into them besides one didn't have appliances. So you had to throw a fridge or a stove in there and get them used, I believe. Yeah. And here's what you can rent them out for. So do you want to talk a little bit more about those deals? Yeah. So, um, I, you know, cash is king. I just want to say that one, like, um, you know, especially during COVID times, I guess, you know, the time it takes to close on a deal has really uh, increased significantly. Like those, the time yes. it took me to close on those, uh, on those first two properties that, that we purchased. Um, and that was like, it was like two to three months it took me to close on those deals. Um, which to me is crazy because here in you know Virginia, you know, it, it, it takes like a month or less to close. And this was before, you know, pre-COVID obviously. Right. Um, so, you know, going two to three months, you know, as a seller, that's kind of, you know, depending on the, you know, what, what your situation is, it could be more attractive to you to get a cash offer and you might make a, you know, a deal that, you know, a, a better deal, accept a better deal or accept an offer if it's cash, because you know, you're going to close as soon as you as a seller get all your things together. Like the yep. buyer's ready, cash is there, we're ready to go. I just need to get my paperwork ready and then I can go close on this and get, you know, you know, make whatever I need to make off this property. Um, you know, again, the key was, you know, Dante's relationship with uh, the, the listing agent, um, getting the inspection going through um, the properties and making sure it fits my risk profiles, um, knowing what the potential rents are on these properties um, and making sure that I'm really not going to get a lemon basically. I mean, that, that was the thing. And that's why, that's why I still like going up there, but, you know, obviously as we build a, you know, build a relationship um, you know, with Dante and with the uh, inspector that we work with, um, you know, those, those things are going to start becoming way, way easier as we, as we progress. I mean, but, we, we looked at a few properties. We did an yeah. inspection, I think on a three family, I yep. took you through a two family I had listed and, you yep. know, it just didn't work for what you were looking for. And that was fine. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Don't be afraid to say no. I mean, that's another thing. Don't be afraid to say no. If it does not fit your risk profile, don't feel like you're obligated to buy it. Uh, that's, right. you have, but you have to build your risk profile and it has to make sense to you. And has, you know, you have to like let, obviously let the agent know like, hey, no, because of ABC to my risk profile, you know, I don't, I really don't want to get it because of ABC. Just be transparent. That's, you know, that's how you build a relationship and maintain a relationship. Exactly. So, you know, these two properties, they're pretty good. Kind of going back, cash is king. That's what made the deal happen. You were able to get them under market value. And we'll talk about how we know they're under market value in a second. And then just to kind of go back, cash is trash. Reason I say that is because sitting cash loses value, That's and especially true. in an inflated market like today. I get cash, I push it away immediately. I sell a deal I'm in, 
I put it in the stock market because the stock market is very liquid, get some good returns to, you know, hedge inflation and I just get it back in the game. Uh, but yeah, so we, we had these two deals, you closed on them, you use the same property management that you had on those other two deals. So now here you are four deals, six unit, six units in, um, you have them rented out. Mm-hmm. What were you producing for yourself as far as not only return, cause we won't talk about the return yet, but as a dollar amount, what were you bringing in as positive cash flow each month from all four of these properties? So from all four of these properties, um, assuming, you know, the, you know, you're obviously when, when you put your financial model together, you have to, I account 10% for miscellaneous repairs. So, yep. you know, every, every month I get, so assuming full repairs, I'm getting 29, $2,900, a little bit under three K. So with, let's assume that it's a month with no repairs. It's about, sorry, sorry about you're that. Good. <laughs> um, assuming it's a month with uh, no repairs, it's about 3,500. Okay. So let's, let's hit the middle. We'll say thir- uh, 32, five. So 3,250 yeah. times 12, that's 39, call it $40,000 a year. Yep. That is someone's salary in Syracuse, New York. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, obviously you need some cash to invest, but that's again, a, a phenomenal amount, $40,000 off of six units, four buildings. It took you how many months to build this portfolio or a year? Or less than six months. Six exactly. Months. So it's yeah. pretty quick. I mean, yep. obviously you had some capital to deploy, which is huge. Yep. But you know, let's talk about how you got these these second two under market value. Why don't you talk about the refinance a little bit? Yeah, that was you know, I agree with uh, Dante sentiment about you know with your sentiment about like you know sitting cash is is trash. Basically, it's doing nothing for you. It's not really um, it's not really working. Your your money isn't working, especially like. If you have a hundred thousand dollars tied up, it's not really doing anything for you, right? Right. It's just, that that that's a shame more than anything. Um, so after I closed and after I got the, the properties rented out, uh, which didn't take long, by the way, um, two single family homes within two weeks after the I had the keys, they were both rented, tenants in there. Um, so that was no time at all. Um, I anticipated for it to take a little bit longer. Um, two weeks all it took for both of them. One of them took a week. The other one, uh, then one of the other ones took. Uh, two weeks to get. Um, so I immediately, once that was done, I was like, you know, with Dante's advice and, you know, and, you know, talking about my strategy, where I'm trying to go and what I'm trying to do, we, you know, we kind of came to the conclusion that, Hey, refinancing is the best option. So I went with uh, his financial um, team that he works with and we started refinancing and I ended up getting the properties appraised for $20,000 more than what I paid for them. Instant so, equity. Just an equity. So just, I didn't, I did not add much value to the properties. I fixed a fence. I added a shelf or two in one of them, but just because I was able to get them below market value and because of the current market situation right now with, with prices kind of, you know, going up, Syracuse is a little bit more steady than other places. Um, but I was able to get $40,000 in equity just like that. So so it was 20,000 each. What did they appraise at? Um, so each one appraised at, I think, 80,000. 80,000 is what they appraised at. Boom. So 40,000 equity there. Then yeah. on the other two, uh, you know, another 30,000 equity. So you yep. have done zero, call it zero in upgrades yep. really on these properties. And boom, you've created $80,000 in equity for yourself right there. That's enough to buy a whole nother property. That's right. And that's the plan. So um, as soon as we finish up the refinancing on these 
properties. I also kicked off the refinancing uh, of the first two properties that I bought to turn them into a commercial uh, commercial loan. So they're off oh. of my personal um, off of my personal credit report. Um, I'm going to have cash again to do stuff with. So I'm going to be able to purchase more homes. And that's kind of, um, I guess you can say, if you watch a bunch of YouTube videos, it's kind of similar to a Burr method, but not right. really because I didn't, I didn't renovate. Um, some of them already rented. I just got them at a, you know, I just got a good deal and I got them, you know, I already got built in equity when I purchased them and I closed on them. Uh, and I'm just going along with that. So I'm, you know, I'm refinancing and buying more and then just continuing that journey. So let's look at the, those numbers real quick on those two single families. So 80, okay. they appraised that at each. You did 85% loan to value on the refinance, correct? That's right. So again, no one else in town does 85% loan to value except the guy I work with. You know, this, yeah. this lender, this commercial lender I've built that relationship with, I've been able to push these programs over to my clients. Therefore, they're putting less capital in the deal. They're getting a greater return and they have more capital in pocket they can work with. So 85% of 80 is 68,000. So you purchase these for 60. So you're literally getting $8,000 more than you bought them for back in your pocket. So right. he, here's JP buys them for 60. So he's all, all in for 120, not uh, excuse me, not counting for closing costs. Mm -hmm. They're appraised at 80, 85% loan to value. That's 68 each times two. So 136 minus your all in of 120. That is 16 grand that you're walking away from because you bought these properties on a market value. So not only are they cash flowing at an infinite return because there's no money there, you're also getting a check for $16,000 on top of owning these properties. That's right. So, I mean, talk about that. Now, 16,000 profit, not yeah. 16,000 total in your pocket. I mean, because yeah. you'll be getting, what's that? 136K. So JP is going to come to me with 136K when these close and he's going to say, let's go buy some more real estate. And I'll tell him, yeah, I've got deals galore. Like whenever you're ready. Yeah. Um, I mean, that is huge. That's the power of real estate. I mean, if this isn't a success story, I don't know what is. Thank you. I mean, I could not have been successful without, you know, the team, right? Like it, it's kind of like I was thinking about it, like, uh, you know, before, before the podcast, like, you know, I say, when we go to the casino, I say blackjack is a team sport because everyone on the table, you know, if someone takes the wrong hit, you could ruin everyone's, everyone else's hands. It's kind of a team sport, but everyone else is sitting there getting benefit, obviously out of it. So, you know, I definitely feel like this is a team sport. If you have the support model of, you know, a solid agent, solid inspector, solid financial team uh, for you to work with, um, you, I mean, it's, it becomes hard to, it becomes hard to argue against getting into it and pulling the trigger. And yeah, you mentioned, you know, I had a lot of capital to play with coming into this. Um, yes. Do you, do you need that much capital to get started? No. no. I mean, if, if you can save up $20,000, you can get into this very easily. Um, you know, again, you just have to find the right place, what's right for you, your own risk model. Um, and heck, if you can swing a hammer yourself, that's all the better. Um, right. So because you can buy a property, do some stuff to it. And then when you go to refinance it, you're actually going to make a lot more money because you added improvements to it at a low cost to yourself, which is just your time. Uh, um, so you don't need all that money to, to get jumped in, you know, to jump in and, and start doing this. You just, you know, 15, $20,000, you can get going. Maybe even less than that. I don't know, Dante, I mean, you, you, you deal with uh, people all the time that are trying to get into this and, um, 
what do you, what would you say is like the, like, so for someone to start, how much capital do you think they should have? Yeah. So I guess it, it, it's kind of a, a question I'll throw back at you almost is what are their goals? If they're looking yeah. to house hack, you right. know, I've got people in the, in the duplexes for 6,000, you know, were they occupying one of those units? Yes. But they're, you know, renting out the other rooms, other people, you know, I've gotten to properties for 20, 20,000, or excuse me, 20, 25,000 all in, and they were able to cash flow property and do really well. You know, I've got one client, he did, uh, let's see, he was able to get into a property for a, tw- a total of $21,000, like a great cash flowing property. Again, off market, I brought to him completely under market value. Like he could turn around, sell a property for 20 grand more than he bought it for easily. Amazing. Um, so you really don't, I, I know we say you don't need that much capital. You know, 20,000 is a lot of dollars to, you know, a lot of money to someone, but it's your diligent, you're serious and you want to get started. You'll find a way to get that money and make it yeah. work. Save, save, save. And then once you start saving and, you know, you start building your wealth, I mean, you really start building your wealth. Like, you know, I told Dante, one of the, you know, my goals for this is, you know, wealth for my, my children. So I'm trying to build a generational wealth, right? And this is definitely going to, I, you know, this is definitely going to get me there. I, I believe that in my heart of hearts is definitely going to get me there. So I'm not the first one to do it and be successful at it. Um, won't be the last one. There's president set. So, you know, it's hard to argue against it. Right. Exactly. So, and something I want people to take away is like, you know, JP has done a few different methods and he's also diversified regular buy and hold one of the, the burr effects, you know, two families, single families. Now we're going to get him to diversify into a syndication here shortly. You know, as soon as he gets enough capital, we'll push him into that. And, yeah. you know, he'll have a part ownership of a hundred unit complex. You know, there's, there's so many different ways to skin the cat in this business and you can make money on any of them. So um, JP, anything else you wanted to add before we get into our uh, last segment of the show here? Um, I think, the biggest thing, like, I just want everyone to take away from, I might be repeating uh, myself a little bit, but is build your risk profile, figure out where you want this, figure out where you want to do this, where you want to pull the trigger. You know, sometimes staying close to home is, is better because you know, you know, the area, you know, people, you have contacts, you can, you can leverage those, you can have relationships, you can leverage, um, but once you do that and you build your analysis mechanism, like I have a spreadsheet once you feel like your analysis phase is done, you really can't add any more value to your analysis, start pulling the trigger. Don't wait. Don't be afraid. Um, you, you know, if you do your due diligence and you know you're not buying a lemon and you get a property inspector and, and you read their report and you understand what they're doing and you stand next to them the first couple of times to really understand what they're looking, what they're looking at and why they're building the reports the way that they're building them, you, you'll be able to make um, a very educated decision and it's not a gamble um, on whether you want to buy the property or not. And when you find one that fits your profile, just buy it. Yep. That, that'll be my advice to, to first time, um, first time people and you, even, you know, seasoned people, which I'm sure they, they already know that I don't tell them they're, they're just going to buy it anyways. But um, yeah, that would be, that'd be the last thing I would say. I love it. Yeah, that's great. Well, let's head over to our next section of the show called the Curious Cues. I'm going to throw some questions at you and we'll get your answer. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Question number one, favorite podcast you enjoy listening to? That's going to be a tough tie between uh, uh, Joe Rogan and Ben Mala. 
Yeah, I get Joe Rogan all the time. Ben Mala, though. Yeah, dude, he is hilarious. I love watching his YouTube videos because I think it's really fun. Yeah, he's he's the best. He's comical. He's he's, he's Uh, a genius, but he's comical. (laughs) He is. He's he's got the temper like no one else's business. But uh, next question, favorite book you enjoy reading? I would have to say, you can't see it. It's Mastery by Robert Greene. Okay. Awesome. The biggest hurdle in real estate you've had to overcome? I would say the biggest hurdle I'd had to overcome is finding the the guts to pull the trigger. That yeah. would be, I would, say, I would say that'd be my biggest hurdle. Yeah. Yeah. It's just getting over that analysis paralysis. You know, yeah. I have, unfortunately, I've got some clients who have analysis paralysis and I spend, you know, I, I work with them. I really try. I, I push them. I send them good deals and they just can, for some reason, can never pull the trigger. And it gets to a point where I've given them so much of my time and effort that I, I can't keep investing it into them on a primary scale just because it, it takes up too much of my time. You know, that 80, 20 rule, you know, 20% of your business or excuse me, 80% of your business comes from 20% of your clients. And that's very true. You know, I've got some great clients, you know, like yourself that a lot of my business comes from and I don't have to allocate as much time towards them. But then I've got like these other deals where I have to be present for inspections for tenants and I have to do this and that. And, you know, for these clients, I'm spending 80% of my time and it's only paying me 20, 20% of my, you know, of my value of my income. And it's true. So analysis paralysis, you just got to get out of it. You got to go and pull the trigger. And that first one, it's like that snowball effect. As soon as you do it, it's going to roll into the next one and the next one. And like you said, it's addicting. You just want to keep doing it. It's addictive. Favorite non-real estate related hobby. So in your free time, what do you like doing? Um, So uh, before babies were born, I used to be very big into Muay Thai and uh, mixed martial arts. There you go. Thailand a couple of times to train there with the Thais. Yeah. That is sweet. I didn't know that. I just learned something new about you. I like that. (laughs) And JP, we kind of hit on this one already, but newbie advice. So what advice would you give to someone that's, you know, either getting started or they're in the business and they're just trying to scale a little bit more? I would say if you're in the business and trying to scale a little bit more, um, make sure you're working with the right lenders. Make sure you have a vision of what you're trying to do and you're not haphazardly just you know doing things. Like have a goal and vet that goal. Have someone shoot holes through your goal. Like I, I had Dante shoot holes into my goals and what I'm trying to do. And I told him, you know, what do you think? And I'm trying to get people to shoot holes in it so I can build a better goal and make sure it's more realistic, more attainable. Um, you know, set your expectations you know, it's kind of, it's kind of like the, that saying, like, uh, you know, uh, promise low, deliver high. Right. Yep. So, you know, set your expectations, have realistic expectations, set them a little bit lower. Um, and then, you know, you know, surprise yourself with what you're able to achieve. So, and just, you know, just believe and have a positive attitude about things like, you know, yes, there are, you'll have problems and, um, there'll be, there'll be things that happen, but you get through them grand scheme of things, big picture, all these things is just noise. So exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think that's huge. When I have people call me and they say, you know, they're new to the market. Yeah. I want to invest in a and B class properties, the best tenants out there in the best areas and get, you know, a 30% return. All the, you know, I just, I tell them right up front, this isn't the place you're going to have it happen. You're yeah. there's probably no place it's going to happen, but setting those realistic expectations are huge. So I love that. Uh, JP, where can people contact you if they just want to like kind of talk with you, pick your brain a little bit or just get to know you a little more. 
Sure. You can find me on LinkedIn. Um, there's no one else that has my name out there, Jean-Pierre Psirani. Um, So you can fi- find me on LinkedIn and uh, yeah. Spell that last name. I'll put it in the show notes, sure. but spell it's it anyways. B-S-E-I-R-A-N-I. Awesome. First name, Jean-Pierre. So you can find me on LinkedIn, add me, be more than happy to you know get on a call with anyone or you know chat with anyone, share my experiences and anything like that. Awesome. Well, JP, I thank you so much for your time for coming on the show. I know I kind of sprung it on you last week. I was like, I was like, Hey, you know, you could throw us out the window. You want to come on the show? Like you've done, you've been doing really well. Let's get you on there. So I really appreciate your time today. And uh, hopefully some people will be reaching out to you. Hey, thank you. And thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. We hope you were able to take some value away from today's episode. For more information or to connect with Dante, visit victorycapgroup.com. See you next week.